Hello, listeners. Welcome to another My Spooky Gay Family. Today, we are doing a review episode of the movie Scream. So please be advised that we may be giving away certain spoilers and plot points from the movie Scream. And not only just the first one, we may even be giving away things from the second, third, or fourth sequels. So be advised before listening that you should be aware of what happens in those movies before listening to this episode. Here we go. Hello, my spooky gay listeners. This is my spooky gay family. We are here to review the movie Scream, and my name is Pissy Miles. And my name is Sam Baxter. Welcome to my spooky gay family. Yay! Hi, Sam. Hi, Pissy. How are, are you excited for our episode? I am excited. I am very excited, especially since it's the first time we're reviewing a movie. I know. I'm very excited to review a movie because you and I are very big horror buffs. Yes, and we actually got to watch this together tonight, which is one of my favorite things about the idea of doing this podcast, was spending a lot of time watching horror movies in your apartment. That's true. Uh, (laughs) I am very excited about watching more horror movies in my apartment, especially since I paid for the Shutter app like two years ago. (laughs) And now we can finally use it. Also, it's on the third floor and well lit, so it's a really great place to do that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, your house is fucking creepy. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere and there's no lights. I wouldn't be mad if we recorded an episode or two at your house. For those of you who don't know, I won't give away the... Specific town. Thank you. (laughs) Sam lives. I live in the middle of nowhere. There's no lights, no security, no police. Yeah. (laughs) We keep all of our valuables on the first floor in plain view of the picture window. No one comes any nearer than town. No one will come any nearer than that. (laughs) So today, kids, we are going to be talking about one of our very favorite movies from the 90s, Scream. I love how you whispered it like that. (laughs) It's It's kind of uh, antithetical. Is that the word I'm looking for? Antithetical? Antith- well, scream, to yeah, whisper no, no, scream. No, it is antithetical. I just I don't know if that's the word you were thinking of because I'm not actually in your head. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying it. That's what it is. It's antithetical. For those of you who didn't get a 950 on your SATs like I did, uh, antithetical is like opposites. <laughs> Was that 950s total or verbal? Total. Obviously. I would, I, if I got more than 950... Uh, Total, I would be doing anything else with my life. <laughs> See, you would think that. I'd, I'd be working in finance. <laughs> but I got a 1350 and I'm still here. Did you? I did. I actually, I was joking. I got a 1250 on my, well, it was the equivalent of a 1250 because my, the year I took the SATs was oh, the was first easy. year they did the new SATs. When they fucked it all up. Yeah, and I got, uh, I don't even remember what the actual score was, but the, it was the equivalent of a 1250 in the old 1600. SATs. But we're talking about a movie from 1996 where they still, you know, just gave you the straight Scantron sheet and told you to go to town. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Scantron. Oh, I haven't had a Scantron in a while. (laughs) All right. So why don't we jump right into this? I'm very excited because Scream is one of my very favorite horror movies of all time. Would you agree? I mean, I would agree that it is one of your favorite horror movies of all time. God, you are so... (laughs) 
passive aggressive. I'm not passive aggressive. <laughs> I'm just very literal tonight. So snarky. It's, it's very late. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> is it one of your favorite movies, horror movies of all time? Yes, it is. There you go. <laughs> you asked me if I would agree with the statement. Okay, oh we're not going to get into it. I meant, would you agree with the sentiment? I've been listening to Ghostface ask people like trick questions for an hour. So <laughs> I'm very literal right now. <laughs> that will be actually one of the talking points, I think. I think I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, no, I didn't write it down. But that is actually one of the things I was going to talk about in this movie. I was like, Ghostface was like, it, it was like having an argument with a six-year-old and then dying. That was the last, <laughs> moment, that was the last moment of your life if you got killed by Ghostface. If you got Matthew Lillard on the phone. Basically. If you got Skeet Ulrich on the phone, it was a little like having an argument with a 41-year-old man and then dying. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who's going to die? Uh, yeah, having a... Uh, dying at the hands of Ghostface was the equivalent of being like, where are your shoes? Where I left them. <laughs> I was like, why? It's like having an argument with a toddler and the toddler has a knife. That's that's it. That's what dying at the hands of Ghostface comes down to. Ghostface is just an IRL internet troll. Basically. It's it's just, so you don't like society and yet you participate in society. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I like, you're like, like, where's the block this number on my phone? They didn't have call blocking then, or this movie wouldn't have been made. I they know. didn't have call blocking, caller ID. Nothing. Well, that was why Scream 2 was so interesting, because right. she finally got caller ID, and she's like, and they're like, fuck. And she's like, yeah, I know it's you, Corey Willis. Get the fuck out of here. No. Was, that, was, it, was that his name? I don't remember. I don't remember what his actual name was from the second. The second one, the second one is a good movie, but it is not nearly as iconic as the first one, and I have not watched it as many times. If for no other reason than Randy, my personal lord and savior, dies in the second one. That's true. So you I have loved Randy. I really do love. I think Randy. you identified with Randy. I identified with Randy hardcore. Store. I didn't work at Blockbuster yet. But the first time I saw this movie, I admit, in later years when I was a when I was a Dropbox slave, um, yes, I identified hardcore with Randy Meeks. That being said, every time I watch this movie now, I can't get over how awkward and off-putting Jamie Kennedy is. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what was I thinking? I mean, (laughs) he has redeeming qualities. He's much better in the second one. I think actually Scream 2 is his best movie. I, well, for, for the whole 45 minutes he's I was going to say, the first half of it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's about a five-minute gap in there where it gets real bad for Randy. But <laughs> Yeah, after that, he's fine. When this fan's rocking. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with this movie is that I didn't really think about it until we were watching it and kind of, you know, taking, taking notes to mm-hmm. uh, touch on during this conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the things I never really thought about is that this movie really did give us one of the most – iconic lines from a horror movie ever. Oh, I absolutely agree. And that line is? I was expecting you to say it since it's your note. <laughs> no, no, I, well, <laughs> okay, I wasn't sorry, reading I you. I, was, I, don't, I couldn't tell if you were I was setting, setting you up. up. I was okay. setting you up. All right. And that line is? What's your favorite scary movie? That is. It's one of the most iconic lines from a horror movie of all time. Even though Ghostface doesn't say it that way. It's more like, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's, like, it's always like like Ghostface is on Facebook while he's talking to you. He's not really paying attention. He does sound really disinterested when he's talking to Drew Barrymore in the beginning. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's 
that's mean. Drew Barrymore is so nice. I love Drew Barrymore, but Casey, <laughs> Casey was okay. a boring sack of rocks. Casey's an idiot, but that doesn't change. Mm, if Halloween. Like, like literally every day, like her parents are pulling up the driveway. She can see them and she stops instead of running. Like you were running anyway. I mean, she You just got a better carrot. <laughs> she hadn't been stabbed in the throat yet though. Yes, she had. I thought she'd been stabbed in the shoulder. No, she had been stabbed in the throat at that. That's why she doesn't scream. We spent we spent the entire movie doing this. Where, where I was like, this thing makes no sense. And you go, no, because this thing. And I go, I know. oh, frick. The internal logic of this movie is the, the, I think the problem is, is that when I watch slasher movies, like my go-to slasher movies are always like Friday the 13th, where yeah. like Plot, consist- makes sense. plot consistency <laughs> in Friday the 13th is like a unicorn blowing Hulk Hogan. You are never going to find it. It's not in there. But I don't know where the hell that metaphor came from. Yeah, it I doesn't know, matter. Strange one. I, 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 got, I got as far as unicorn and it fell completely apart. <laughs> this tangerine red bull really did <laughs> it dirty. It really did. See, the cranberry makes me funny. The tangerine apparently just makes me passive aggressive and dumb. But like, <laughs> tangerine, by the way, is apparently the mid-sized sedans of citrus fruits I learned that earlier it's true it is um but where were we going with that it, surprisingly good internal logic and in it does there's a lot of things that you you're like that wouldn't make sense and then you think about it and you're like oh wait that actually really does make sense like one of the things that we were talking about when that came up was Tatum's death and yeah. we were saying wouldn't everyone have like run past her body if she's hanging in the garage all these people leave the party Dewey comes yeah. in and out like six times Gail Weathers comes in and out six times and then we are specifically looking for it, and it turns out the garage <laughs> is on the <laughs> left side of the house that you can't see from the front of the house because there is a fence in front of it, and it is blocked yeah, by like, the, the – it's like there's they, all this stuff. They covered their freaking tracks, man. Like, and I mean, again, I'm used to watching slasher movies and like purposely putting blinders up to an, ignore plot holes <laughs> and inconsistencies. But like in this movie, I was looking for them. Like I was looking for them hardcore because I guess I am feeling a little passive aggressive tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to rip Wes Craven's scream apart. No, I, I wasn't going to do that. But um, but yeah, no, every single time I'm like, Dewey, why are you pointing your gun up? That doesn't make any sense. Is he stuck to the ceiling? And you're like, there's a second floor landing. <laughs> There's a wraparound on the I second know. floor. And, 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 and then like, I'm like, Sam. fuck. <laughs> it's like, because I didn't memorize the interior of Stu's house in advance of, the, of well, this Well, I can tell you, though, I will tell you this. One of the reasons I have such a good understanding of the interiors of these houses is that mm-hmm. as a child, I told you, Scream was my favorite yes. movie. I used to, I used to try to recreate the houses in The Sims from this movie. <laughs> And so I would pay very close attention. That's why I was surprised I didn't know exactly where the garage was on Stu's house because I had recreated it several times. Well, it was times. the exterior. So it was the exterior. Who cares about the exterior? We're all worried about the rosebud, beautiful <laughs> interior of our of our Sims houses. And I mean, the houses in this movie look like Sims houses. Like I had never really noticed before when I was watching, but like Sydney's house has like three sun decks. Oh yeah. Like it's. Like, at, at the end of the movie, Gail Weathers is walking away, and she's like, that played out in this, like, charming or little farmhouse, like, in the hill. I'm like, little? <laughs> what the massive. hell are you saying? <laughs> like, like, and this is, I think, I, I think this is, like, primary example of, like, what Hollywood thinks is a charming farmhouse versus, like, what an actual charming farmhouse is. It's like, what do you mean? Doesn't everybody have a veranda? <laughs> like, no. A veranda priestly. <laughs> um... 
Yeah, so that I will say that was one of the things that shocked me yeah. in this movie. I, I agree with you, is that things just made more sense than I ever expected them to in a horror movie it's like this. It's a surprisingly tight film. It is very, it's very <laughs> tight. So, <laughs> speaking of tight, <laughs> speaking of tight, Casey, let's start right at the beginning. We're going to work our way through the movie as best we can. I have a few talking points to get us through. Mm-hmm. Um, with Casey, I have to say, I mean, I know that the point of Casey's death was to make you think that anything was possible because that was the point of having Drew Barrymore in the first five minutes of the movie and a, to die. Who was a much bigger star than Nev, Nev Campbell, Campbell? Much at the bigger. Time. <clears throat> at the time, yeah, because yeah. I think had Nev Campbell done Party of Five at the time, she was. I think she was already on Party of Five, but mm-hmm. like I don't think it had hit that kind of peak. Yeah, like like this is us moment yet. Yeah, you know, like, all of them were kind of on the new side. Like uh, David Arquette had done a few movies. He had mm-hmm. he had done a few movies, and uh, Courtney Cox was like just on Friends for like maybe two or three years at that point. And Nev Campbell was, like, just on Party of Five, but no one was a star yet. And a lot of people from that film went on to have pretty decent careers. Matthew Lillard did a bunch of movies. Uh, Courtney Cox obviously became Courtney Cox. Mm -hmm. And uh, David Arquette did a a ton of stuff. And Nev Campbell did a lot of movies. Rose McGowan did Marilyn Manson. Oh, my God. (laughs) My goodness. Which was kind of the only thing she was known for for a little while. For a long this. time. Yeah. <laughs> was she on Charmed? Yes. Yes. She was. I knew, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a bad witch. I never watched Charmed. That doesn't make you a bad witch. Really? <laughs> it really doesn't, because char- Charmed, Charmed is not. Do you like anything. Charmed? I, I, I've watched a couple of episodes. It's it's no Sabrina, it's no Buffy, but it's not mm. bad. All right. I, maybe I'll give it a. It's it's kind of like the Gilmore Girls. I was just about like. I was just about to say I feel like it's the Gilmore Girls of like supernatural TV shows. Yeah, Everyone just talks right. really fast and eats weird food. Well, because it's much more about like who they're who they're screwing and like it's mm. it's 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 Pretty Little Liars with magic. I, don't, yeah. I, I think that might even honestly I think Pretty Little Liars is a little more hardcore than, really? than Charmed. Oh, there I'm were not. like murders and shit on Pretty Little Liars. Like, and I've never watched the show. I've just seen like the social media, and it's like, who's murdering all these kids on Pretty Little Liars? I'm like, that is not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, what are the children watching now? <laughs> but going back to what we were talking about, the point of having Drew Barrymore in the first five minutes was that they wanted you to think anything was going to be possible in this movie, that anyone could die. And they really proved it with Drew Barrymore because she died a gruesome fucking death. Yeah, she death. really did. Like, I think um, Casey has actually, I think, one of the worst deaths in the entire series. In the like, series, Like, like yeah. I think it's one of the, certainly one of the most brutal ones. Who do you think has the most brutal? Oh, hands down, Olivia in Scream 4, the girl that, the girl that lives across from... Oh, Roberts. yeah. Yeah, no, she just gets destroyed. Like, like, it's just, like, 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 she's got, like, her intestines hanging out. He's bashing her face into the wall. He, he like, he pushes her out the window at one like, like, And, like, Sydney walks in there. Attaches and it, her to the ceiling it fan. Looks like the, it looks like the Sharon Tate house after the Manson murders. Oh, okay, God. and there, it's, like, it's terrible. And it's, like, it was just, I remember watching it in the theater at the time and going like, wow, Ghostface is not fucking around this yeah, time. Yeah, that is the like, thing with Scream 4. And I'm sure that one day we will review Scream 4 yes, and we will we talk about this more in depth. But Scream 4, Ghostface was like batshit. Like he had some oh, weird fucking trauma he was working through. That was like, 
That that was like Wes Craven's like fu- when he did like Wes Craven's Final Nightmare and Freddy just went fucking nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was Ghostface More in Scream Four. But in in the first Scream, when Casey dies, it, I remember like when when we were we I'm. In 1996, when this came out, I was like eight years old. Which would make me... <laughs> I was 10. I was 10, 10? and not... not Are you 10 and a half? I was not old enough to go see this film. Oh, no. Which we watched made this me, at home. W- right. Yeah. No, but you, you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's, <laughs> I wasn't able to go to the movies to see it. Yeah. But um, I do remember very distinctly like seeing the posters ahead of time and, mm-hmm. and things like that and what we were talking about before like when you look at that original screen poster Drew Barrymore is front and center in the yeah. floating heads you know yeah. like like it's like and like Skeet Ulrich isn't in his he's not in his Billy makeup he looks like him from whatever he was doing at the time <laughs> he's got a beard and a goatee he looks I like know. he looks like modern day Johnny Depp yeah he does <laughs> and it's like we couldn't have gotten him into makeup for one photo shoot. For one like, day. like, what was Skeet Ulrich doing that was more important than this photo shoot? They're at the like, time? just use his headshot. Yeah, whatever. like that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, Drew Barrymore's front and center. Like everyone I knew thought that she was the star of this movie going into it, and I mean, certainly in the first ten minutes, you are disabused of that notion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they dispatched Casey pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I remember as a kid, I thought that she was hanging from the tree by her intestines. I don't, I don't think I ever thought that because I did see the swing rope. But see, like, I didn't. I was like, as a kid, I was terrified. I was like, Jesus Christ. No, but I'm going to do my like one cinematography nerd thing for this scene in this is that wonderful establishing shot of the swing going back and forth mm. just before we kind of pan into the house. And it's that... It's that nice little moment where I remember like thinking to myself this time while we were watching it because I was paying attention for shit like that, which I don't normally do, mm-hmm. is like, how did they get it to swing so nicely? Like, did did did, did like a crew <laughs> member come up and like push it, poke it <laughs> a little, or did like they actually have like someone sit on that swing and stand up? Because it kind of looks like it's supposed to imply that he's out on the swing talking to her on the phone, which mm. is like I never kind thought of, about it that way. Which is kind because the swing wouldn't be moving like that if it was just the wind. You know, like, it kind of seems to imply to me that he was sitting out on that swing talking to her. Huh. And that, like, adds, like, a whole new level of creepy to it. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. <laughs> and, you know, that was the thing about Ghostface. I mean, there weren't a lot of killers before Ghostface who interacted with their victims so intimately before they killed them. Well, because slashers before this don't play head games unless it's Freddy. Right. Like, Freddy's the only one who plays head games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is well before, you know, Saw and Hostel and all this other crap. Like, like this is well before, do you want to play a game? Like, like, mm-hmm. like even though this is the original, do you want to play a game? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, basically. But, um, yeah, no, like, he... One, I think one of the scariest things about Ghostface, and we'll kind of move on to this later as well, is one of my favorite things about Ghostface is the fact that you're scared of him well before you realize you're actually in danger. Mm. Like he's scary and creepy well before you realize you are in immediate physical, physical danger. That's true. And I think a lot of that has to do obviously with Roger Jackson, who does the voice of Ghostface. Oh yes. I mean, Roger Jackson, that was like the perfect casting choice. It always killed me as a kid that there was no voice changer that actually sounded like Roger Jackson. 
<laughs> like, like this is like marketing 101, guys. I know. Marketing 101. Although I feel like that's like asking someone to actually play out Scream in real life. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, the thing is like, they even like it, what, what's Billy's line at the end of this movie? It's it's you know, don't blame the movies. Movies don't create killers; they just make killers more creative. Yeah. So like, you can't ever. No, I'm not like, saying. No, no, I, I know. Yeah. And, and like th- this, this movie is actually. Um, I was actually thinking about this earlier. This movie is in 1996, and kind of addresses that sort of like what role the media plays in real world violence among teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, this is going to be a slight downer, so we can cut this later if we want. But like, this is three years before Columbine. I was thinking the same thing while I was where watching it. Everybody started blaming the movies and the video games. Like, like Columbine was like the real kickoff for like, oh my god, what are we letting our children watch? Like, look at what it's doing to mm-hmm. them. And this movie addresses it three years beforehand and says it's not the damn movies. I know it's not the movies. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, granted, I don't know that we can trust Hollywood to make that. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's a little well, you know, police who watches The Watchmen, but still. But it kind of <laughs> it kind of harkens back to because you and I both enjoy things that are true crime and and things like that. And one of the one of the things I've heard a lot of people say is that you know a lot of people a lot of people think that this this like crazy wave of violence came about in the '90s and never stopped. And it's like no, there was a lot of violence before that, but we didn't have things like social media and and 24 hour news coverage and uh, you know there was no such thing as a serial killer before what the '70s. So like people didn't even have a term for it and. It's not that these things didn't exist. I, I think there was still a lot of violence. It just was not as widely spread. But it's a, and it's also a very different understanding of it. It's also it's very much like, like I remember, very distinctly. I, th- I think my earliest like clear concise memory of watching the news, mm-hmm. I was like maybe five or six, which would have been like, what nineteen nine nineteen ninety one ninety two. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, there was stuff going on in 1991 and 1992 that is, is like fairly major historical it events. Been 1990. When I was six? Well, you were five. I said six. You said five or six. It okay, would be five 90 or, or 91. 90 or 91. <laughs> for all of a day. <laughs> but, um, like, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly. Like, it was one of those things I was watching, I was listening to, not watching, listening to, um, I was listening to a true crime podcast the other day, and they were talking about the Green River Killer, and he was active in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, he he was out there committing crimes, and granted, he was killing prostitutes, which don't generally, like, hit the media real hard. Yeah. And it was in Seattle, but, like, I had never heard of him. No. And he was arrested in 2001. Like, 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 I mean, he was arrested, like, well after I had started, like, actively consuming news media. Yeah. And, like, I had never heard of him. I had no idea that he even existed until about four months ago. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think all these things existed, but we just didn't have – we didn't have a connection to it. You know what I mean? Um I don't know. It, it was it was pretty crazy to think all of that. Well, and the '90s is the birth of the internet, and that's really what it comes yeah. down to. This information suddenly became much more readily available, and so 
these discussions started happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things <laughs> one of the things I really love about Scream is not just that I mean, I thought as especially as a young person, mm-hmm. Scream was genuinely <laughs> old are you now. I mean, I mean, a, I mean, like a child and like a teenager. Okay, is this when you say young person? Oh it God, kind of makes you sound like you're seventeen. Everything I say tonight. <laughs> I want to eat it. What the? <laughs> As a young child or teenager, I thought. That scream was genuinely scary. It was terrifying to think that people could do that. But the the one of the best takeaways from a movie like Scream is that it kind of in a in a really appropriate way combines terror with comedy. Yeah, no, and I mean that's that's the thing that the whole series is good at. That's the thing that Wes Craven is good at because like especially when you look at the Nightmare on Elm Street series, of mm-hmm. course, Freddy is, you know, <laughs> Freddy's just kooky Uncle Freddy. You know, by 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 number 3 you're rooting for him and waiting for him to crack amazing one-liners and you don't care who dies. Yeah. But it's it's that that is something that he's always been really good at is that kind of like that fine line between horror and comedy. And Agreed. Scream is a perfect example of it. Agreed. And one of the one of the things I wrote down for this note was one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when Stu goes, liver alone. Liver, liver, liver. God, ouch, God, it's a joke. It's the weirdest joke. It's, it's like, so stupid. It's like, it, it's, and, and the crazy thing is like, you're not even really laughing at the joke. You're just laughing at Matthew Lillard. I know. But it's, it's, but I feel like that's most of the movie with, with Matthew he's Lillard. Just, he's just a human version of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> which is hilarious considering his later career. I but, know. Um, like, <laughs> and uh, the other thing about the comedy in this movie is that sometimes it is it is very intentional, but sometimes it's really not. You get that like almost like B-movie horror comedy that yeah. I love. And... <laughs> One of one of the things I love is that I never noticed this until I was watching the movie tonight. Nev Campbell, I mean, she was a very young actress when she when she did this. So yes. it's, it's funny to watch her because when she gets like when her character is like scared and overwhelmed, <laughs> she raises her hand. And I my note was <laughs> Nev Campbell always holds her invisible hat when she's scared. Oh, is she and she, she does. She's like. <laughs> She's like starting to salute someone and she yeah. just like raises one hand to the side of her head and it looks like she's going to like tip her hat and be like, top of the morning. And you're like, why are you doing this now? I want to know why she always turns her head so violently when she starts to cry. It's like, no. <laughs> like, like, and it's or always, runs it's, away. It's always like three feet to the side. Like she can't look at anyone and burst into tears at the same time, which makes me kind of wonder if she could, if she could cry on command. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like I'm wondering how much of it Probably was. not. <laughs> You mean like when she's supposed to cry and she goes, I'm sorry if my fucked up life is too much of an inconvenience for your perfect existence. And we need to talk about that for a second because I mean I mentioned this when we were watching it, but like listen, Kevin Williamson is is a really good screenwriter and I love the screen movies and I love many other things that he mm-hmm. wrote, but um that scene Oh, it's terrible. Is a trash fire. It's awful. <laughs> like, the dialogue in that scene is so it's like, bizarre. It's like Yes, but your mother left town. She's not lying dead in a coffin somewhere. <laughs> like, like, and they make fun of it in the later sequels when you see that over and over again. And it's Tori Spelling and 
Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson <laughs> doing that scene over and over again. And they show it like three times in the sequels. It's like Kevin Williamson is either incredibly proud of this or he knows it's trash. <laughs> no, I think he know I he I think they all knew it was trash. And I think they were hearkening to it because at the end, at the the moment you're like, oh, they get it, is when he is when she runs away and he's like, stupid. <laughs> like he's on SNL. <laughs> like, like, stupid. <laughs> but um Yeah, Nev Campbell has a lot of like weird moments in this movie where she's something she does or says just like doesn't register quite the way I think she intended. And I am sort of infamous and I know this for mishearing things. And we will get to that. Are you? I guess. <laughs> I, I we will get to that. I know because I I'm, wrote it down. I'm just going to be quiet about this since I've been accused of being passive <laughs> aggressive tonight. I am. I hear things uh, incorrectly, occasionally, and one of the things as I remember. A young person. I remember as a kid, it, I couldn't tell what she was saying. You know when Ghostface is like, uh, "You hang up on me, I'll cut you like I'll kill you just like your mother or whatever, whatever the fuck uh-huh. he says," and and she goes, "Fuck you, you cretin." But she says it in such a, like, muted, like, internal... I could not tell what she was saying. And as a little kid, it sounded like she was going, Fuck you, Lucretia. (laughs) Like like someone at Burger King got her order wrong. (laughs) Fuck you, Lucretia. (laughs) Sorry. It got me, apparently. (laughs) It's it's one of those things where it's like, this one was actually... It was surprisingly okay. I think I I remember distinctly like when I was younger having trouble with some of Billy's lines because he was screaming them mm. and it wasn't always clear what he was saying. But like. yeah, and he has some strange inflections too. Yes, he does. <laughs> do you want to do it, <laughs> Sydney? Sydney. <laughs> when he's getting arrested, I was like, I was like, what is this weird fucking? <laughs> best thing is they pan to the ambulance and you hear him again in the background and he's Sydney, Sydney. <laughs> 16 miles down the road he's like Sydney. <laughs> that's the end credit sequence this is, this is, these aren't the Marvel movies but like that's what he should have done when he popped back up not that lame huh like he should have been Sydney bam that's what it should have been literally like the, the credits and it goes black and all he hears Sydney <laughs> It is one of the most bizarre <laughs> moments in the movie because it's almost like he was like trying to find a way to yell but use like proper vocal technique. So he's like giving it resonance like Pavarotti. <laughs> he's, 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 like, <laughs> he's like, Sydney! He's like, must do it from the diaphragm. Must do it from the diaphragm. <laughs> he's singing Nessun Dorma in the back of the fucking cop car. <laughs> <laughs> Master Pharrell would be very upset with me if I did not do this from the diaphragm. <laughs> and yes, I did say Master Pharrell like this was Game of Thrones. And <laughs> But one of the things, and this reminds me because we were talking about the the cop car, that whole scene where uh, Sydney first encounters Ghostface and she gets chased up the stairs, this created something that lasted all the way to the end of the Scream series. And it is a theory of mine. I think that Sydney is part kangaroo. (laughs) She is. She has the strongest legs of any human I have ever seen. Scene. Like when she donkey kicks ghost dicks ghost <laughs> down, the, down the stairs and scream Ghost dicks. <laughs> when she donkey kicks ghost dicks. <laughs> Do you like sticks in your mouth? It's fun. Ghost it's dicks. Fun. <laughs> when she donkey kicks ghost face down the yes. stairs, yes, in scream four, she literally like kicks him in the face with her foot and he, it's like the matrix. He's like, 
down like down like six stairs. You're like, my God, Sydney. It actually she, she never skipped leg day. <laughs> Sydney Prescott. Would you look at her life? <laughs> okay, like she, her personal trainer is Dwayne the Rock Johnson after number two. Okay. Like, <laughs> But it's actually funny because we're talking about Sydney and I did want to bring something up. Um, we were talking about Nev Campbell's performance before. And it um, there are like two moments in this movie where you see like later Sydney Prescott. Mm-hmm. And it's that first phone call when she's like, I call your bluff. And she walks out onto the porch. Mm. And then it's again at the very end. The rest of the movie is crying, screaming, running away, Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad she went away for the sequels. Because <laughs> this would be a very different I know. series it, if she was. It was so nice that they gave you like a really, truly strong final girl for this movie. Yeah, no, I, and I mean, I think this is one of the genius of, the genius parts of Scream is it's the opposite of every other slasher movie. It really is. And I know is. we've talked about this before, but like, in every other slasher movie, the killer is the one who stays the same and you get a whole new cast of victims every movie. This is the exact opposite. You have mm-hmm. the same three people and you get new killers every time. It's true. So you don't end up rooting for the killer. You end up rooting for Sydney and Gail and Dewey. But I think the killer still stays likable because, A, that, that costume is just so good. Oh, of course. It's such a good killer costume. But even like ha- having the costume stay the same and having the voice stay the same are like... The two things that make that killer so beloved, I think. Yes, no, absolutely. I think it's it's one of those things like I don't I, for me it's much more Roger Jackson than I think the actual suit, which which I know we talked about before. But Yeah, but I will say that like I, I know I mean I have not watched it in any kind of to any kind of any capacity. Mm-hmm. I have not watched the TV series, but I was really put off by the changing of the costume. And I know you said it makes sense it, it for does, some reason. It, it does make um, internal sense within the series for them to change it. Mm. Um, I did watch the first season of it. I have not watched season two yet. Mm. Um, <clears throat> does Roger Jackson do the voice? No. I don't think. For real? I'm going to fact check. I have not actually. No. Um, the killer's voice is done by a gentleman named Mike Vaughn. Mike Vaughn. Does it sound similar? It's like it's like diet ice cream. You know, it's it's like it's it's he's trying, but it's just not the same. Like, and I don't think he's actually trying to do a Roger Jackson impression. I think he's just trying to make it creepy. But um, it's just I I don't think it's nearly as effective. Hello. Okay, kids, so this is Pissy. Uh, At this point, while we were recording the podcast, Sam played a clip for me from the TV show of The Killer's Voice. Uh, It was a long clip, so we had to cut it because we don't want to get sued. So all you need to know is that the sound clip of The Voice was not as good as Roger Jackson. Okay, back to the show. It sounds like the, like if ghost, like pre-adolescent ghost face. I I mean, yeah. <laughs> his balls haven't dropped yet. Yeah, <laughs> like he, like he, like he's sitting on the swing with his sippy cup, waiting yeah. for her outside. <laughs> no, you're safer <laughs> inside. Um, no, I, I mean it's it's one of those things that like the TV series was always supposed to be kind of more like in the spirit of than I would think even a direct homage to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think if you take it as a completely separate entity, it's not a bad, it's not a bad TV show. I mean, I guess I could. I'll try it. I'm not 
I'm not holding my breath, I don't think. I mean, you don't have to make a commitment right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I have such a strong, I love this movie series so much that the idea of changing the voice or the, the face of this killer just like really puts me off. And I think making it a TV series in and of itself, this is something that always bothers me when they do this with horror movies. It's like you're never going to be able to do the stuff that you do in a movie because you're going to have to edit things for TV. You're going to have to make – it's exactly what Billy says in the movie. It's like you're getting the (laughs) PG-13 version of The Exorcist and and it kind of ruins it to a certain extent. Yeah, no, I – especially just because – when you see those, like, particularly on TV, like, the TV rating system, when it's, like, it's mm-hmm. rated M for, like, scenes of intense terror, it's, like, <laughs> that's the point. That, yeah. <laughs> like, good. <laughs> like, that's that's what I wanted. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. I mean, granted, when it comes up for, like, nudity and violence, I'm also, like, good. 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 <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, I, I I love it when they warn for that. Like, you didn't know you were about to watch a horror show. I know. Like, literally a horror show. It, and that's true. <laughs> I, there's, I don't know. It, it makes me nuts. But going back to the comedy of, yes. of Scream, I <laughs> – one of the things that always was so funny to me about Scream is that, you know, before we were saying that, like, the craziness of Scream is how believable it is, how well thought out it is. But mm-hmm. then there are certain moments, <laughs> like when Ghostface is walking around a food store in the costume <laughs> and no one, and no one notices. And it's like, <laughs> that is something I, I wrote. I was like, why <laughs> is Ghostface walking around town willy-nilly in this damn costume <laughs> and nobody seems to notice at all. At all. <laughs> at all. At all. I, I, I couldn't explain, because they're in the food store, and he's just like, ooh. I'm like, where is the clerk? Like, d- how did he get in the store? Well, what they didn't tell you is that's Billy's after school job. I was, so he was, just, I was like, does Billy work at a Krausers? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how this happened. You want cigarettes? <laughs> you want lotto? You got to get in the other line. <laughs> Guess who's going to die? <laughs> Don't smoke cigarettes. You'll get cancer. Sydney. But I'm going to get you first. (laughs) (laughs) I also think uh, there was another moment where he was outside in the costume that I was like, why why is this happening? But it really did make me think. I was like, there's so many homages to Halloween in this movie because Mm -hmm. it it really was a love letter to the early slashers like Halloween and Wes Craven was so closely affiliated with John Carpenter and all, all that stuff. There's a the moment when they're at when there when Sydney and <laughs> uh, Tatum are at Sydney's house and they're on the porch and then they go inside and then you see Ghostface like lurking in the woods yeah and I, at first I was like this is like like, wh- like why is first of all he's so far away yeah <laughs> he's so far away like I'm sure he's not listening to them he can't hear them but then I was like well it does kind of remind you of. When Michael Myers is behind the hedge in Halloween. It it does, but I also see where you're coming from. Like, this is, like, I, I guess now that we're talking about it, like, this is maybe the one thing about this movie that I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like, if you're just sitting there chilling in those bushes, you can't hear them. You clearly don't intend on murdering them because you're having the f- big fucking party tonight. Mm-hmm. Why are you there? What are in you the costume. I know. Like, if it's Billy, you're an idiot. If it's Stu, 
Like, what are you going to tell the cops if they circle around right now? It's like, oh, I'll just going to jump out and scare them. Look at my funny Scooby-Doo face. I wasn't going <laughs> to do nothing. <laughs> but then I do wonder, like, was he there maybe with the intention of being seen and scaring them? Like, was he there with the intention of maybe, like, giving them a glimpse? Because it, it I just, does like, kind of harken back to the Michael Myers watching Laurie it, through it the does. window. It does. I, th- I think the only problem with it is, like, when you – when I look at Halloween as an almost paranormal slasher movie. Like, like Michael mm. Myers is preternaturally creepy. He's a yeah. shark. Yeah. Like, Billy and Stu planned shit. Yeah. Like, like, they have very distinct plans and timelines that they're trying to adhere to. Like, mm. they're trying to culminate this on the anniversary of killing her mother. Yeah. Like, there's some definite, like, there were some brainstorming sessions that went into this crap, okay? <laughs> so, like... Like, not knowing how she would react to seeing that. Like, for all you know, what that means is she's going to be sitting in her own house with 24-hour police surveillance for the rest of the night, and then your plan is fucked. Yeah. So, like, I mean, granted, it's a horror movie's willful suspension of disbelief, like we get it. But, like, (laughs) but but it's still that kind of, like, like, when you look at this as more of, like, a true crime thing, it gets, um, it gets a little different. Uh, yeah, I get that. I do... (laughs) (laughs) I do I do understand what you're saying because it, Michael Myers was an entirely different beast. But there is a part of me that wonders if Wes Craven was just trying to give you a little like, ha ha, here we are again. No, I'm sure that was what it was. I mean, especially considering that he like then played the entire third act of Halloween in his third act. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I, while the corpse gauntlet is happening in Scream, we're getting a better corpse gauntlet from Halloween on the TV. <laughs> it was a better corpse gauntlet. Yeah, there was more than one corpse. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and that's what you pointed out to me when we were watching the movie tonight. I, I never realized how few people die in this movie because it seems like there's so much violence. But what was it? Five people die? Five. Five people die, and one of them, <laughs> my favorite death in this whole movie, <laughs> is Henry Winkler. I know. It's wonderful, <laughs> and you don't even really see it. Uh, no, you <laughs> don't really see it. But what I love about it is there's two things that I love about this death. A is I just love Henry Winkler and that whole <laughs> moment of him looking through the school and, and the... And doing the boogity-boogity face. The boogity-boogity. I love the moment when Wes Craven kind of nods to himself, with himself. Right, literally to himself. (laughs) To himself. (laughs) What'd you call me? Uh, (laughs) When Henry Winkler walks out into the hallway and is like, you goddamn little shits. And we see Wes Craven literally dressed like Freddy Krueger in the hallway being a janitor. And Henry Winkler very, very cutely says, not you, Fred. Not you, Fred. Fred." See, I just wanted... Like, the only thing that would have been better, like, if this was Scary Movie and not Scream, he would have actually been dragging the body bag with the trail behind. I <laughs> know. <laughs> or, like, sharpening knives in the hallway. Yeah, like. <laughs> dragging someone up a wall. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> and my second favorite thing about this scene is I, uh, I, I read an interview with Henry Winkler not that long ago. Have you ever heard this story about his death scene? No. Oh, really? Am Probably I giving not. you? I'm giving you some some insider information. Uh, I was reading an interview with Henry Winkler not that long ago, even, and he was saying how 
how much fun he had making the movie, but that uh, it wasn't something that came naturally to him. And when they filmed his death scene, the first time they filmed it, they they did everything and Ghostface killed him yeah. and did whatever. And Wes Craven came up to him after and was like, "Good, good job, Henry. Uh, that was good." We're going to do it again. Uh, this time, do you think you can act like someone is killing you? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, I just like, I didn't scream. I didn't do much. And he, he was, was just like, doing Fonzie face the yeah, whole time. Basically, I, guess, I don't know what he was doing. But Wes Craven literally had to give him the direction. Can you act like you're dying? Please. I want you to look the way your face looked after they told you to jump the shark. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, like after you read that script, I need you to make that face. <laughs> <laughs> that oh fuck. Oh no. It really and I read that interview and I was like, that is like Henry Winkler to a T for me. He just seems like this totally innocent guy. I don't know how he played the Fonz. <laughs> Not the right. He's such a sweet little all. like grandpa now. It's like it's like everybody like I want to have Uncle Henry Winkler. It's true. Like, that's what I want. I would love a Henry Winkler uncle. Right. That would be sweet. Would be and he, uh, Wes Craven was not the only cameo in that movie, which I I did you, not. You realize. actually you you caught one that I hadn't. I had no idea that was, and I am literally ashamed that I didn't know this. Like, like I might have to go home and like self-flagellate. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> For those of you <laughs> who need to look that up because it's an SAT word, <laughs> just read the end of the Scarlet Letter. See, I gave you more mm. homework, even more homework. The Scarlet Letter. Yes. I haven't thought about letter. that book in about twenty years. So <laughs> I think about that book all the time. Do you? I do. Do you like that book? No. <laughs> I like the story. The book <laughs> the book leaves something to be desired. I, re- I, I don't even want to get into it. The movie's great though. There are Spanish conquistadors at the end. You can always oh, tell really? who, you can always tell who actually read the book for their book report on the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> because they include Because the if they talk about the Spanish conquistadors, they didn't fucking read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but the cameo that we were talking about is Linda Blair is yes. in the movie, which makes it even funnier that Billy talks about the exorcist. Right. I never and I I knew that from a long time ago that she was in the movie, um, and she almost doesn't even look like herself. To me. I guess maybe she because doesn't. she's her head isn't spinning and she's not spinning pieces. I, I mean, which is part of the problem. Like unless she was eight and like covered <laughs> in shit, I wouldn't recognize Linda Blair just in general. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I mean, probably not. But like. I, I mean, you know, she's not standing on the front lawn with a crucifix, self-flagellating. <laughs> so, <laughs> fuck me, yeah. fuck me. Billy but was she, screaming the same but thing she is <laughs> for the entire movie. Fuck uh, me. We are not going to do my feminist rant on how Billy is like a total allegory for toxic masculinity. Maybe you'll get it on the blog on the website. I will, I will, do, I will do that. But it is literally, and I'm actually, I'm looking at your notes, and I'm going to leave this verbatim. Read it verbatim, not leave it. <laughs> he says, but maybe just some over the clothes stuff and then goes right for the vagina. Yeah. Like right for the vagina. It lasts three seconds because <laughs> they start kissing and his hand is already on her thigh. I wonder I wonder if that was an intentional statement or if it was just this is a movie and we can't do this for more than like ten seconds. I I, I think it, it serves several purposes. It A sets up the rules. She's virginal for now. Mm-hmm. Um Two, he just killed someone, so he, you know he's probably lamped up. Mm-hmm. You know he he literally just like murdered Casey Becker, so I'm sure he's you know he's feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's usually a sexual component to serial killing. That's um, 
And, you know, three, it's, this is a teen movie and we're not going to show Nev Campbell's tits, even though it's R-rated, so we're going to get a nice shot of that creamy outer thigh. <laughs> creamy outer thigh. <laughs> Can oh, we redo God. that? My God. That was creamy awful. Outer thigh. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. Leave me alone. I want to see that creamy outer thigh. <laughs> sweet, I mean, I've also never heard anyone sweet, say outer thigh. <laughs> That's what it was. Well, have you heard someone say inner thigh? That I have. Now who's being passive aggressive, picking (laughs) apart what everyone's saying? If if there's an inner thigh, there is clearly an outer thigh. By implication, there is an outer thigh, I guess. But I've just never heard it. What would you call that part of the leg? Her distant butt. Her distant butt. Because I've heard the term front butt, but that usually, <laughs> <laughs> usually refers to what he was going for and not what he actually got. Butt. I love the word front butt. Can we talk about this for a second? I know this has nothing Must to do with screaming. Okay. I love the term front butt. I think it's one of the funniest things. I can't remember where I first heard it. I know Martin Short was the one who said it, and I don't remember what movie. Was it Father of the Bride? Does he say front bum? I don't know. I can't remember what movie it is, but I I've remember that movie distinctly. Like three times maybe. In really? My entire life. I think I've only seen it once, and I think if okay, I did, I mean, I, I, that's probably the only thing I took it away clear, from it. It clearly had a much bigger <laughs> impact on you than it had on me. Apparently, because all I took away from it was the word front butt. Um, <laughs> but, front butt. Um, yes, I do agree that Billy is definitely like the personification of misogyny. Yes, no, he is. I, I mean, I mean, Stu's a close second, but Stu seems like, I don't know, marginally more sensitive. Uh, like, at least he can't be in the room when his girlfriend gets murdered. Like, at least he... <laughs> I mean, granted, it's all a front, but it's like... <laughs> well, yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, it's so hard know. to say. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> it's impossible to say. It's impossible to say, really. <laughs> I really just couldn't comment on it. <laughs> I could, yeah, I don't know what Stu's deal is. I, I, well, I don't because Stu s- doesn't have a character. He's just, he's just Scooby-Doo, and then he's Psycho Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he's basically just the Igor to yeah. Billy's Frankenstein. Which um, is why he gets stabbed four times and Billy gets stabbed <laughs> once. <laughs> it's like, who else was watching that scene feeling like just a little bit bad for Stu? It's, it's, like, it's like, man. Uh, but uh, he has, again, like <laughs> some of the most memorable lines in that scene. You hit me with the phone, dick! Dick! <laughs> I, I don't know, man. She did look dead. Still does. <laughs> <laughs> so like he had some of the best lines in that whole end Which, sequence. Which, to be fair, should have should have been pointed at Maureen Prescott, not Courtney Cox. I know, my <laughs> God. We were talking about this before. I have no idea where they found this actress. Like there was no one else available. I'm. It must have been like a producer's <laughs> sister that they were like, "Can you please yeah, just I, put Teresa in this I, one scene?" <laughs> <laughs> like she's literally in a photo and like like it's literally two still photographs of her yeah. once on the news and once on the end side table. But it's like I, I, I just remember thinking this like she really was no Sharon Stone. Uh, like no yeah. Like, she was literally someone's Aunt Terry who worked at Home Depot. Like, like and <laughs> and this isn't the like we're gonna make fun of a murder victim because she's unfuckable. It's it's Literally, like, like, when you look at the rest of the people in this film, it's like, how was this the choice? (laughs) (laughs) She must have been really funny. Yeah. Thank God this is fictional or I would be a terrible person. I know. Maureen (laughs) Scott. Listen, listen. I'm not victim shaming. I'm person shaming. Uh, Because she was just... (laughs) (laughs) Not a terribly endearing person. I just just don't get it. It's, It's like, first of all, like, she is... She is fake tanned, like... 
And that to hair. the nines. Like, I mean, granted, it was the 90s. And, like, look at Nev Campbell's hair in this film. I mean, Like, the, the, yeah. the, those bangs are a criminal offense. I'm so glad that they cut her hair short for number two. My God. If but, nothing else. But, but Maureen's hair never changes. And I guess that's no mo- well, I guess well, that's she's a dead. reference to the fact that she's dead. But she. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of stylists going through the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not gonna send the Fab Five over to <laughs> they're digging her up. Like, bitch, we need to fix this. <laughs> like Jonathan's down there going, like, I don't know, honey. I think we should do a swirl. But could you imagine <laughs> if you died in the '80s and that's your hair forever? I mean, I don't think you care at that point. <laughs> I would care if I. Oh my god, to have that hair for the rest of eternity. <laughs> It's like the Santa Claus when he keeps shaving his beard off and it keeps growing do you back. Think, do you think in the afterlife you pop up like the way you looked when you were dead and that you're just stuck there? We don't know. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. We can change. <laughs> yes, that was a Star Wars reference. <laughs> a, ham, a ham-fisted Star Wars reference. I can't even go on. <laughs> I, I just quoted a puppet. Okay, so <laughs> let's go on. So, <laughs> one thing that I alluded to earlier that I I know I am infamous for mm-hmm. is mishearing things. Yes. And one of the things that has tormented me for 20 years Couldn't since I watched this movie is the song Red Right Hand. Which is one of the greatest soundtrack songs It's ever. a great song. I mean, it is one of the top played songs in my Halloween playlist. But <laughs> the singer of this song <laughs> is about to get a bad rap. I can't understand a fucking word he says. I understood it fine. He's like, you're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan to sound and those devices will run hell. I'm like, what is, I'm like, what did he just say? He just had a stroke. What he just said was designed and directed by his right hand. He did right not hand. say that designed and directed. That is what he said. I, uh, no, absolutely not. No, you know what? Designed and directed. He makes an S sound. There's no S in directed. <laughs> Designed arrested by wearing around hell. Designed arrested. It makes more sense to come when you listen to what he's How saying. Designed and arrested. Saying Fred Durst. Something about Fred Durst. <laughs> Robert Durst, maybe? That makes more Why sense. Why, when I'm looking in songs, does it sort them by artist? It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, Designed and arrested. It, it literally is nonsense. It is not nonsense. It, it is, is absolutely nonsense. I have listened to the song 900 times. Well, you should listen to it 901 because he's Because this time Designed I might not hear the lyrics. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to find this song. Hold on. Hold that, on. That's hold fine. on. But while you're doing that, I am going to say that the rest of the soundtrack is also actually kind of wonderful. We were talking about earlier. Oh, absolutely. Um, the like weirdly sensual slow version of Don't Fear the Reaper that happens whenever <laughs> Billy and Sydney are kissing. I never realized that that was what that song was. <laughs> it's like, and it's so soft and sweet. It's like, come on, baby, don't fear the like, 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 it's so <laughs> ethereal. Like, it's, it's, it's very, like, it's like if Stevie Nicks covered that song. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He says, don't fear the <laughs> What are you so doing? Fluffy, so delicious. Free advertising for something. How far into the song is that line? Just, just. Mm-hmm. 
There's also a lot of like high noon riffing. Yeah. That's <laughs> He's a band. He's, he's a, a guru. <laughs> Did you say he was a band? He's a band. <laughs> Microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan. Designed and dusted. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Like, you went out and then sang over it. Let the people decide. <laughs> We're going to put a poll up on the website after this. <laughs> Microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan. Designed and directed by his red. <laughs> he says, he says, darted. Darted. It's like designed and directed. Like, like that is what he says. Designed and darted. It's not even. <laughs> he just like in the middle of the song at the end they were like are you okay Jim do you smell toast what happened at the end he's like I'm fine can you get me a sandwich <laughs> the right half of his face is melting you're like what happened <laughs> you're over in the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> Jazzy close the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> I'm still doing that really bad chair impression <laughs> Chaz, what the fuck is this guy saying? He's designing and dursing. Chaz, come in here, honey. I, I don't know what we're saying here. Designed and dursed. That's. I swear to God, that's what I said. I'll play it again. No. D- <laughs> oh my God. Microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan Designed and bursted <laughs> It is, that's what he's saying You're cheating <laughs> Designed and bursted Jesus Christ That's what he says Man, he's a guru We're getting so much trouble for having this Catastrophic plan Designed and directed by his rich that's a very hard C, my friend, okay? That is Designed a theater kid C. He really popped on it. That, no. Designed and dirted. <laughs> my God. I mean, I don't even know why it's so important to me to, like, point <laughs> I know exactly why it's so important, because it's nonsense. It sounds like he's It's not got- nonsense. I understood it perfectly the first time I heard it. I have never heard the word directed in that song. Never, not once. You were never able to take direction. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I take direction very well. I've made a career of it. You star in one woman shows. You're your own director. I'm a great director. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was my most important topic, I think, to discuss for this movie was the <laughs> bizarre ramblings in this song. Designed and directed. Like Patty Lapone <laughs> singing the song. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Who who listened to that and was like, yeah, these lyrics, man. I did. I enjoyed it. How did you know what he was saying? I told you I heard it perfectly. You need the Marley first Matlin time. standing next to him, signing everything for you. I can't understand a word he's saying. 
So maybe we should talk about something scary. <laughs> that is scary. He had a stroke on tape. <laughs> That's terrifying. That's the scariest thing that happens in that movie. I mean, we watched the deterioration of the singer of that band. Nick, whatever his name is. It's only in one scene. <laughs> Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Nick Cave. Singing distinctly since 1996. Distinctly, my ass. I don't even think he had lyrics written before he sang it. He just ran out of rhymes. He was like, Design about red right hand. He just made it up on the fly. They're like, All right, Nick, we got this. We got I would just this. like to note that if, if, if all of this makes it <laughs> onto, onto air at the expense of my extremely nuanced and intelligent critique of things earlier, <laughs> I can't believe I'm not cutting one second of this discussion. Not a single one. Okay. Not a quarter of a second. I'm not a millisecond. So back back to the movie, I guess. Since we've yeah, this, gotten this a little off, about this movie. off track, did you? Oh, speaking of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, uh-huh. uh, this has nothing to do with them. Did you know? <laughs> okay. Did you know? Did you know? David and I almost did this with his sister mm-hmm. this past Halloween. The, the, whoever owns Stu's house in actuality rented the house out. You could like buy tickets to go and like stay in the house overnight. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Like, do they like set up beds in the garage? I don't know. God, I hope not. I wouldn't. Hanging from hangers on a hook on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Watch the icy patch. Um, (laughs) See, I'd want my hanger from the garage door. I wanted a nice, quiet Christmas, (laughs) as performed by Nick Cave from Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I want a nice, quiet Christmas. That's just a little Muppet Family Christmas story <laughs> with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in the Muppet Family Christmas. <laughs> um, oh, but uh, since you brought up the garage, I, I did want to talk about this, actually. Uh, I did want to talk about Tatum because Tatum is a great character. Um, Tatum is an action hero. She is. And both of her nipples are stuntmen. <laughs> But they are terrible stuntmen because you're not supposed to see stuntmen. <laughs> you see them all <laughs> you see through cable knit sweaters. Oh, God. <laughs> she could be wearing a bulletproof vest. There would be two lumps on the front. I'm like, like my God, like these are brass nipples. <laughs> Rose McGowan was the only one who was cold on that set. <laughs> it was just they had to shoot that scene in the garage so many times and there was no heat out there. George Lucas directed, there are no bras in California. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but you're absolutely right. She is an action hero. Based solely on her experience in the garage, yeah. she should not have died. No, she should have been a final girl. I See, this is... Okay, we're going to have like my weird little gay moment for a <laughs> like, like My dream like remake of this series is Tatum survives the first one. Her and, her and Sid start making out, and they just stay together for the next four movies. You like, know, how amazing would that be? I, I mean, that would be uh, <laughs> fine, but... <laughs> you, <laughs> He's like, I don't care. I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not. I I, I would you're love not, to see a invested. movie starring the both of them. I would love if we could get Tatum and uh, what's her name from the fourth one. Oh, you mean my girlfriend? Your girlfriend, Hayden Panettiere. Hayden Panettiere. What's her character's Kirby name? Kirby Reed. Kirby. If Tatum and Kirby could get a spinoff, that would be. The, I would. I would watch the fuck out of that. I actually think Kirby Reed's existence is the reason I don't like Randy Meeks anymore because I was presented with a better option. Oh yeah. 
Like even I think Hayden like, Panettiere is hot. I will a give screen her that. touchingly good better option. <laughs> like, with that dikey haircut too. <laughs> As I'm sitting here going like, yeah, no, she's into she's into Rory Culkin. Oh. That makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Look at that hair, damn it. I know, like, the that only is hair in the series haircut. worse than Maureen's. <laughs> wait, wait, you're talking about Hayden Panettiere's hair? Oh, Hayden no, Rory. I was going to say Hayden Panettiere's hair in that, in, that, in that movie is like No, she has great hair, amazing. but Rory, Rory Culkin has that, That's the haircut I always tell hair. them I want and never get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I love Hayden Panettiere in that movie. And I really wish that they would make a fifth one. Although... I don't know how I would feel about watching a fifth Scream that wasn't directed yeah. by Wes Craven. Which is, which is the major problem, is since Wes Craven has sadly left us, um, Scream 5 seems <laughs> difficult. I, I admit that I, I, would, I would have liked a Scream 5 if for no other reason than Kirby Reed, because you know yeah. it's, it's the old adage, if you don't see the body, they're not dead. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they were screen testing that one. They were like, how much are people going to like her? <laughs> she, was, she was still breathing when we cut away is my only point. <laughs> and the thing I like about about uh, Kirby is kind of what you said. I mean, obviously she's she's beautiful and she's fun, and and I actually think Hayden Panettiere is also a, a really good actress. Yes, she is. But she was kind of the replacement Randy in that like she acknowledged all the rules, and that was what was so groundbreaking about Randy too in the original is that they acknowledged the horror movie rules and also the best possible version of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, like when they do, when they did, even in the trailer, when it was like, name the famous remake, and she just broke it and starts naming all the movies that have been remade since the original <laughs> Scream. It's just Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street. She's just going through all of them, and I'm sitting there going like, yeah, girl, go, 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 go. Like I'm standing over there with a checkered flag, just waving it, just going, <laughs> just going like, yes, bitch, yes, <laughs> like I'm at a fucking drag show. <laughs> My own personal hero. So sorry, Jamie Kennedy, you've been replaced. I mean, she is a great hero and <laughs> tragically far more likable than Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Who's the Jamie only California Kennedy. kid with like a very particularly like New York accent? <laughs> it's like, it's the millennium. Motives are incidental. Forget about it. Like, that's Randy. <laughs> Why is Randy the only one here from Staten Island? Right. <laughs> I don't understand this. <laughs> like, <clears throat> but yes, no. Tatum is an action hero and has one of the um, one of the worst deaths. Like, like yeah. she's not as bad as Casey and she's not as bad as Olivia. But I would I would put her squarely in the top three. Uh top five definitely. Who would you put? Who would you put four and three? Ooh, I mean the guy who gets blown up in the house in Scream Three. That's yeah, but that's like bad. that's like instantaneous. Like he didn't feel that. You know, mm. like it just happened. Like like. like <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Scream 2 had some pretty violent fucking deaths, too. Yeah, I mean, Randy's wasn't great. Okay. Randy's was pretty bad. <laughs> also, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> oh, my God. Jada I mean, sh- I felt so... Oh, I'd put her awful. in top five. That's hard to watch. I know. Poor <laughs> Jada. Right? <laughs> I felt so bad for her. And poor Turk from Scrubs. Is that who that was? Is that who that was? I don't think I think so. I messed this up already. Yeah, I don't think it was Turk. Like, this is my fact-checking episode. This will make it on. <laughs> this, oh, I'm this, not cutting a second. This and 10 minutes of you going just... <laughs> and 10 minutes of you, like, doing freaking... Doing that song like it was done by Bob Dylan. <laughs> like, hey, designed and directed by his red right hand. It might as well have been... <laughs> it was so bad. 
This is now, this is the best episode ever. We have a bad Cher impersonation from me. We have a bad Bob Dylan impersonation from me. I know. I used to think I could be a voiceover actor. This is just, this is killing a dream in an hour. We have, <laughs> oh no, that's. It might have been Omar Epps. I always forget that Portia de Rossi was in the second one. Right? <laughs> and it's like, and now I can't watch it because all I can think is you fuck Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> like the sorority girl who is, like, it's like, you fuck Ellen DeGeneres. You're like coming out. You fuck Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> like we're yelling at her. <laughs> like, you fuck Ellen. <laughs> Omar Epps. Yes, it was Omar. Did, I just said it was Omar Epps. Did you? I did. Oh, I missed it. It was Omar Epps. <laughs> yeah, it was not Turk from Scrubs. It was, it was Omar Epps. <laughs> no, it was not. So I just had one more thing I wanted to talk about uh, before we say goodbye to yes. Scream. Because it is my favorite, favorite horror movie. And um, we will be doing more episodes on the sequels anyway. So we'll get a chance to. Agreed. Yes. The thing that I really loved about Scream is that it really plays into a lot of my biggest fears. Not only like the home invasion, the kind of being stalked, the playing with your food, so to Mm -hmm. speak. But there were a lot of like things that the killer did while he was hunting you that played with you kind of the way Freddy did. And I think Wes Craven, obviously, that was something that probably scared Wes Craven, and I'm sure that's why it ended up in all of his horror movies. But um, the one moment that really sticks out to me is probably the scariest moment in Scream. That was the most uncomfortable to watch the first time, and is still to this day uncomfortable to watch. Is the scene when Sydney is in the Jeep? Yeah. No, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Obviously, yeah. Since we just watched it. Be, be, well, because Sydney gets in the Jeep when she's being chased by Ghostface, and then he reveals that he has the keys. Right. And he keeps unlocking the doors and making her like scramble to lock them. And this is a fear. And moving that frighteningly I have. fast around that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. It's like he's just <clears throat> dropping to the ground, rolling under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, like, this is a legitimate <laughs> fear of mine because David was saying to me the other day, mm-hmm. David is uh, really interested in directing a, a horror short right now. David, your husband. David, my husband. Since this is only episode three. <laughs> yes. David, my husband, is very interested in directing a horror short. So he's been talking a lot about things that scare him and. I've been telling him things that scare me so that we can kind of brainstorm. Uh, But one of the things that really scares me is, I mean, I come home from shows very late at night. It's like three, four in the morning a lot of the time. And getting in and out of my car in a dark parking lot where there's not a lot of people around, but there are a lot of places to hide and like things like that. The idea of like getting in and out of a car, I think everyone has had this fear a, of like getting in the car and having someone grab them. It's it's a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. Because you're usually preoccupied, you're usually carrying something. It's one it's one of the things like I remember very distinctly like when I was in high school and starting to drive, like being told like if I was walking to my car at night, like particularly if I was in like a big shopping mall or something like that, to carry my keys with the keys stuffed between mm-hmm. my fingers so I could punch someone with them. Yeah. Um, which in retrospect, sounds like terrible advice because I feel like I'd probably break my hand. <laughs> probably. But, um, <laughs> but I feel like every... But you might not get abducted. But, but, I, but I feel like a lot of people are told that. Like, like, like I, I feel like it's always... And of course, there's always the urban legends about like the guy under the car who's going to stab you in the ankle and yeah. like, the guy in the back And that's seat really what scares me. And that is why the Jeep scene is so scary. I mean, everyone yeah. is scared of the killer in the back seat. Oh, of course. But for me, getting in the car is the... Like, once I'm in the car, that's the least scary part. It's Mm -hmm. walking to the car and, like, not knowing who could be behind the car next to me or under my car, you know? Because I know they're not in my car. I haven't unlocked it yet. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, knock on wood. Uh, (laughs) But um, 
the scariest part for me is the journey to the car because it's you're not at the destination yet. You're not in the safe place. And there's not generally like an obvious person watching you either. Exactly. Yeah. Like like you don't feel safe. You never feel like if something happened to me right here, someone would notice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that I think is one of the scariest scenes in the whole movie. What do, what do you think is the scariest scene in the whole movie for you? I um I think that is definitely among the scariest. I think my personal hardest to watch, I'm going to go back to Casey. Really? I I think um that moment when apparently she'd been stabbed in the throat that I didn't realize <laughs> when she's trying to scream to her parents and all that comes out is like that like mama. Yeah. Like that is terrifying to me. Oh, like yeah. like the idea that she's getting dragged across the lawn with the phone in her hand, like her parents can hear her. Mm-hmm. Like it's that it's that idea that you get attacked by a shark in three feet of water, you know, mm. with the beach right there. Yeah. Like she is literally 50 feet from safety mm. when she finally gets taken down. And it's like, it's not that Casey made a lot of good decisions, but she didn't make horrifically bad ones either. No. And it's, she actually made some pretty good ones. Yeah. Like, like she really did. <laughs> but it's, 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 she didn't run upstairs. No, she, she didn't run upstairs. She went out the window. Like she kept the phone. Yeah. And you know, she, she really, I, I, th- I think that was one, that's one of the scariest, that's one of the scariest scenes that, especially an opening scene mm. that I think I've seen in a slasher movie. I agree. It is definitely, I think that and the Jeep scene are the scariest scenes in the movie. Yes. I think, Easily. I think that's, that's, yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, definitely not the bathroom scene. No. <laughs> Where Sydney's in the bathroom of Penn Station and those two girls are making fun of her. <laughs> the, scariest, <laughs> the scariest part of that entire scene is that brunette's pants. I was like, what are these pants? They're so baggy and high waisted. I know. <laughs> I just, I just love watching that actress milk her like two minutes of dialogue when she's like, "Homicide is a much more therapeutic form of expression." And she's like pulling her hair and like, like oh my like, God, like, like you are pathetic. Uh, like, like she's doing like a freaking Victoria's Secret shoot. She's just like <laughs> popping for the camera the I whole know. time. I know. <laughs> that was clearly how that actress got her sad card, right? <laughs> <laughs> my first union gig <laughs> my first union gig so um i think at this point i think i think if there's anything else that we haven't talked about i'm sure we will bring it up for scream 2 or scream 3 or oh, scream absolutely. 4 or scream the series since you've made a solid commitment to watching it now mm, let's not say solid you're gonna edit that part out that's the one absolutely. that you're gonna take out <laughs> okay <laughs> all right kids i think that's it i think that's all i can take from scream <laughs> Uh, that's about it. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go? I don't think so. I did want to ask you though, um, seeing in, instead of our usual sign off this week, would you like to break a rule? I would love to break a rule. Let's break rule number three. I love rule number three. Rule number three. So here we go. This is my, my spooky gay family kids. I hope you enjoyed this scream review episode. We will be doing more movie reviews in the future. And, uh, until next time, stay spoopy and remember, we'll we'll be be right right back. How did I know you were going to do that? My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from Scream, distributed by Dimension Films, 1996, as well as the song Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara. <laughs>